Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2024 Santa Fe, available early 2024. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. What up, movie crew? Welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I am your host, Movie Mike. If you are new to the show, what this episode is, it's a bonus episode where I do a spoiler review of a movie I always keep all the reviews on the podcast spoiler free so you can listen to every single episode without worrying about having a movie ruined for you. But when major movies come out, I like to do a full dive into the entire movie. So that's why I do these episodes. So if you've seen Top Gun, continue listening to this and we'll get into all the major plot points. Or if you just don't mind having a movie ruined for you, then keep listening as well. But I have to say, this is probably the most requested spoiler review I've had. This is a movie I've seen people who haven't gone to the movie theater in a very long time, even pre-pandemic, go out and make it a point to watch this movie. Even at the time of recording this, almost two weeks that the movie's been out now, I still see people going every weekend talking about going to see Top Gun. And that's exciting to me as a movie fan. It's cool to see a movie have that kind of impact and have that kind of interest in audiences makes me feel pretty good knowing that I do a movie podcast and it's just fun to see all different levels of movie fan collectively enjoy Top Gun so I feel like that's exciting to me to know that a type of movie like this can still exist and at the time of recording this it's made 395 million dollars in the U.S. alone about $750 million worldwide. So that's just telling you, I think it's all because of the power of nostalgia. It came out at a really good time of the year and just had an opportunity to dominate. But also I feel like it's a movie that really adds to the value being able to watch it on the big screen. So let's talk about this movie. An interesting thing that helped me like the movie even more, and I wasn't even expecting it, was... Tom Cruise coming on at the very beginning and giving a message to everybody in the theater of like, hey, thanks for coming to watch my movie. 
you know, we worked really hard on this and made it a point to be able to, you know, be seen in a theater and not go on to streaming. And I've only seen this for maybe one or two other movies where an actor or a director comes on before. And I have to say that kind of helps a little bit. And I know he just filmed this and he's an actor. He's mastered the art of conveying a message through a camera but it felt personal to me and it's just a nice little touch that I would like to see other A-list actors do. A very subtle thing that just makes me feel a little bit more connected as I watch the movie and then you get into it and the movie had me at the opening scene whenever you hear Danger Zone again and it's just kind of like bringing back all those old memories. In my theater specifically, people clapped at just seeing Top Gun Maverick on the screen, which was an interesting thing for me. So, And then you get into seeing Tom Cruise as Maverick again. And from that opening scene where he is there to prove people wrong and reach that Mach 10 level, I feel like that set the tone for the entire movie. Well, he isn't here yet. Uh, Mach 10? Let's give Mach 10. And that's all I really needed to see to know that I was in for something that I was really going to enjoy. And it set all my expectations a little bit higher for the rest of the movie because my main thing of, you know, not being the biggest Tom Cruise fan, not even really being the biggest fan of the original one, I'm kind of surprised at the legacy it's had over the years. But in that moment, my curiosity of Will the action really be worth it? Will it really be a visual spectacle that I needed to be in this theater to watch? That confirmed everything for me. It almost felt like an action movie met a sci-fi movie because it almost looked like Tom Cruise was just in space. And that whole action sequence was just engaging and entertaining and fun. So I love movies with a great big opening that's a really good hook. And I feel like they did such a great job at that. And it looked beautiful. That was probably one of my favorite moments of the entire movie. And the other part I thought they did really well early on in the movie was remind people of the things you needed to know from the original Top Gun. Because they realized that it's been 30 years since we've seen this. You don't necessarily have to go back and rewatch Top Gun 1 to understand what's going on. It definitely adds to the value. And there are things in Top Gun Maverick that you feel more rewarded by. You feel more emotionally invested in after seeing the first one. But you don't really have to know that movie because they do a pretty good job at showing flashbacks from the original movie. So I enjoyed that aspect to it. And why I really think even now that Top Gun 2 was better than 1 was the story overall, I felt, was more concise and made more sense of Tom Cruise back as Maverick. He, you know, gets in trouble at the beginning, gets thrown back into Top Gun thinking he's going to fly, and instead they want him there to teach this new group of elite pilots. And I just love him more in that role of being the teacher, of being the person who is one of the best and being able to fly in situations that no one else can. I just felt like that made more sense and also helped to create a better sense of camaraderie among the entire cast, 
having the old school established characters, but bringing in this new bunch of people you get to meet. And it allowed the movie to go in places that the original one just couldn't go. I think my favorite action sequences were when Tom Cruise was training all the new pilots and training them to be on their toes and really pushing them to try and beat him and the attempt of taking them down. And what I really loved is the tension that these action sequences created of there always being a little sense of danger, but also having a little sense of fun. And then you have the relationship between Maverick and Rooster that's kind of bubbling as the movie goes along and comes to a forefront later. But with him being the teacher, it was really able to create this this struggle between him and his past with Rooster's parents and attributed to the overall theme of him not being able to let go of the past, which was, I think, the overarching theme in Top Gun Maverick and also why this movie just worked so well and was able to hit all of the feelings that I wanted to get out of this movie. Hit me on an emotional level. It hit me on this is a great action movie. And then there was also just some comedy in there that was a little bit more subtle. And it wouldn't have been a Top Gun movie without the cheesiness. But I also felt like that was dialed back a little bit. They didn't really get into like all the old catchphrases and make it a point to be like, oh, remember this from the first one? It'd be funny if we did that again, right? No, it was just creating a new comedic style of its own that wasn't trying to make jokes per se just building that camaraderie of a team there were aspects of it that did feel fun and funny and then I loved all of the inclusion of people from the original cast from Ed Helms but of course the best was Val Kilmer and after watching Val Kilmer's and after watching his documentary last year called Val which is on Amazon I Really didn't know a whole lot about his life. I didn't know a whole lot about his battle with cancer. And that documentary was very moving to me. If you haven't seen that one, I did a review on it last year. And it was one of my favorite documentaries of last year because he was able to document his entire life throughout all the movie roles he did. He just had a video camera running the entire time. And you see his health diminish over time. And it documents how much cancer affected his life and how it has affected his voice and causing him now to really not be able to speak. So his presence in this movie was very limited, very ominous of just him and Tom Cruise communicating over text message. But then that scene of them together was a great moment. And I know Tom Cruise really fought for Val Kilmer to be a part of the movie. And I really think it needed that moment. The sad part about it was that they did kill him off in the movie and just knowing how much he has struggled in his real life it almost feels like a weird plot point to have although it's necessary but for just somebody who is you know battled cancer to have a scene in a movie where he dies it just almost made me think of him as the actual human being and not the character in the movies but it was necessary and proved a pretty big turning point of Maverick being able to let go of the past and being able to move on. That was kind of that last little element that needed to happen. And then at the forefront of the entire movie is them trying to train in order to pull off this very tough mission to where there is zero room for error. They have to fly so fast and so precisely that basically they think 
the only person up for the job is Maverick, which later it ends up being he's the only one who can pull it off. But he gets him to that level. And that combat scene was just so exciting when they're trying to stay under the radar. They're all trying to operate now as a team. And they've gone through all this struggle of, you know, it's not the the plane, it's the pilot. You've had all this buildup and you're finally there. I haven't been that invested in the final act of a movie in a very long time. And I think it's because this movie felt so emotionally grounded, knowing that also there were so many practical effects used in this movie. And at that point, it was also just great to see Maverick's journey from the first movie and then all the way through this movie of being back in the role of fighting and flying with a mission. And it was so suspenseful and also fun at the same time to see him actually do it in under two minutes. But that could have been it. That could have been the end of the movie, but it went a step further to hit you with Tom Cruise again, trying to be a hero, trying to save his fellow pilots and risking his life. And that moment you think that Tom Cruise is dead in the movie, I was like, oh man, they're really going to go there. Like that would actually be a great way to end this movie of there being real consequences and Maverick dying. I think that would have been a very impactful thing. But of course, they were also banking on this movie being a success. And if you kill off the star of the movie, that sequel isn't going to happen. But that would have been a great plot point. I wish they would have went there. And if they did go there, I would have rated this movie even higher. But of course, I think it was more important for him to survive the crash and Rooster going back to save him and then being able to and work through all the issues they've had. And then they're in that situation to where, how do we get out of this? And that part of the movie became, it became fun. It almost became like an action comedy. And it actually worked really well of them going onto that base, stealing an F-14, which was a real F-14. And it's a callback to the original Top Gun. And that whole sequence of them stealing the plane, taking off, thinking their biggest problem is getting back to the base but then being chased by the other bad guys. And then you find them in that situation of thinking they're not going to get out of this. This could be how the movie ends instead of just Maverick dying, both Maverick and Rooster dying. But then you have that heroic, cheerable moment where Hangman comes and saves the day and he finally redeems himself after being quite the jerk out of the entire movie. Which I think that was important about this Top Gun movie is that it had really good villains that you didn't like in the movie from Hangman to John Hamm's character, Ed Harris, because you have that good guy, bad guy vibe, the authoritarian figure over the reckless rock star pilot. It felt very 80s, but modernized at the same time. And at the end of the movie, it just had everything you really wanted out of a summer blockbuster, really just any movie in general. All of the excitement, all of the highs and lows, the callbacks, even Rooster singing Great Balls of Fire, dressed and looking just like his dad did in the original movie. I thought all of that was just the perfect way to do this movie. And I still stand by my rating of four out of five helmets. And I think that's because this movie did have a level of cheesiness to it, which was expected. I don't go into this expecting Oscar-worthy acting, But given that, I can only rate it so high based on the acting performances 
there were moments of the movie that I was very aware that they were acting on a movie set, at least to me. I didn't fully buy into the love story either between Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly. I felt like that was a little bit forced in there. You could have taken that out and the movie still would have been the same. I felt like that was all just a setup to have that unnecessary love scene, which I didn't really find that necessary to the entire movie. And while it was an improvement and an advancement in the story of the original Top Gun, I don't think it did anything completely different other than modernizing the action and the cinematography. But compared to other action movies, it's not like they did anything super novel as far as the plot and the characters. So it was maybe one scene away from it being ready just a little bit higher. I still think it will go down in history as one of the greatest action movies. It really cements Top Gun now as being this franchise that can last over generations. I still am left wanting more. I feel like this would be a perfect trilogy if they do one more. Tom Cruise is about to be 60 don't think he has more than another one in him if he wants to do another one even though he did look really great in this movie that could have been some cinema magic some special filters in there because he looked pretty ageless in this movie so there you go if you have any more thoughts or things you like didn't like about top gun let me know i would like to hear them hit me up on instagram at mikey distro or shoot me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com, and I will talk to you next time. Until then, go out and watch good movies. Later. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.